Hello and welcome to this podcast with Pastor Tony Paolo, recorded live at Restoration Church of Rhode Island. Enjoy today's message. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 here. Okay, everybody got their Bibles. The title of my message this evening is <clears throat> Preparing the Stage. Preparing the Stage. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, preparing the stage. And this is what the word, the word of the Lord says. Everybody got it? I think we're going to have it on the bottom of the screen there for you. And it says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Okay? And then the second part of this is in parentheses that we're going to almost... The part that I just read and then this next sentence that I'm about just to read doesn't seem like it fits together, but we're going to be talking about this in context of the entire uh, chapter 16 here. I'm going to read again. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the, whole, throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. One version says that the eyes of the Lord search, literally intensely search the globe for men and women that he can prove himself faithful to them. So what God is really saying is, I am looking for stages that I can exhibit all of heaven's glory on. Our life is the stage. I've said this before. Our life is the platform. So what God, God uses our lives to extend his faithfulness. Okay. And then the second part of this is that he says to King Asa, you have done a foolish thing. And from now on, you will be at war. It's kind of a strange addition and add-on, but we're going to look at that and find out what that means. This verse, this story really gives us insight. It points to the fact that God, God is very much a relationship God. I don't know if you knew that. I mean, if you're a religious person, it's possible to be religious and not know God. Because I, I, I'm, a, I'm the kind of person, I'm an I'm anti-religious person because I've seen religion burn people. Because I've seen people who are devout, loyal, and religious, but not have a relationship with God. So I want to tell you that part of this story, God gives us insight that he's a very much a relationship God. And it doesn't matter how many times man and women, doesn't t- matter how many times we've attempted to break the relationship God is always a step ahead. He's always a step ahead. He's, he, he always outplans our mess-ups. His grace is a step ahead from our missteps. He's always a step ahead. So when we look at the story of King Asa, who's the king of Judah in chapter 16, it's filled with insight. And really, we think about this story. I want you to think about it this way, because if I were to capture this story, this chapter 16, I would say it this way. When you put your trust in God, you are able to overcome anything that comes your way. I want, to, I, want, I want to say that again to you. When you put your trust in God, you are able to overcome anything that comes your way. When I put my trust in God, I can overcome anything that comes my way. This is what the lesson is here. And God said in verse 8, because we just read verse 9, God said to King Asa, listen, I want you to remember what, what I did with that million-man army that came against you with the 3,000 chariots and horses. I took care of that, and I delivered you from that attack because you placed your trust in me. One thing 
Trusting in the Lord does a lot of things. But one of the things that trust does is trust cancels worry. It's when I worry, for me anyway, I don't know about you, but when I'm consumed with worry, it's because I'm not trusting. And when I'm consumed with trust, I don't worry. I sleep, this is going to be free advice, I sleep the best when I trust God. Because I sleep through the 2, 3, 4 o'clock. <laughs> that's the zone. If I'm going to wake up, that's going to be the time I'm going to wake up worrying. But when I trust God, I sleep right through, deep sleep, through 2, 3, 4 a.m. And, and so this is what he says. This is the second part now in verse 9. Remember, we read 2 Chronicles chapter 16 where, where it says that his eyes, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Now, verse 9, the second part says this. You have done a foolish thing, and from now on you will be at war. This is what he says to King Asa. He says, you've done a very, have you ever done a foolish thing? You, you ever done anything stupid? So God says to Asa, you've done something stupid. And as a result of this foolish thing you've done, you're going to be at war. Now let's switch it up because God was talking about a physical war. I wonder how much of this is true for our internal battles, our own internal wars. I wonder how much of my battles in my mind and heart that I am fighting as a result of doing my things my way. As a result, he said to King Asa, listen, you wanted to do things your way. It was foolish. You messed up. And as a result of that, you're going to be in battles all the time. And God is pressing a very deep lesson here. Much of our internal battles are a result of decisions not celebrated by God. Like how many times have we want, wanted our way, our method, our timing, and then we've had it our way, method, and timing, and then we go, uh. like if God was really mean, he could have said, I told you so five trillion times to me. You ever tell that to somebody, I told you so? It's not really a nice thing to say, but you think it sometimes, right? Much of our internal battles are a result of making foolish decisions. Much? I would say all of our internal battles. And the opposite lesson here is God saying, my eyes, I am looking. The, the, the lesson here is that God is looking. The very first thing that this verse tells us is that God wants to work. God has been at work since the very beginning of time. And what God is saying here is, I am looking to express myself. God is interested in covenant. Now, you don't see the platform right now. You don't see the stage right now. But we're basically, in, we ripped everything up. Every, it's a complete mess. And, and we're looking to increase the stage so that we could put more things on the stage. And we could uh, uh, and format it and uh, improve the formatting of it. So what God is saying, when God is looking, God is working. See, God doesn't come down. In, in, I mean, he already did that, right, through the person of Jesus. Jesus goes back to heaven, so now it's your turn. So when God wants to express, 
his character. When God wants to express his virtues here on earth, he looks for people like me. He looks for people like you. He's interested in covenant. And since the very beginning of time, we've seen God in an active relationship between God and, and man, God and woman. Since the very beginning of time. So the very first thing that this verse tells me is that God wants to work. And in Psalm 33 Verse 13 says this, from heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all of mankind. The, God sees everything. And the fact that God is looking tells us that he is working. God sees everything. And because he's omniscient, he knows everything. He knows everything about you. In fact, David says, I am completely overwhelmed that God knows everything about me, and yet he still loves me. Isn't that, that's a pretty remarkable um, process. I mean, you know everything about you. I know everything about me. And, and I mean, we, you know, I think it's safe to say, we presume to say that we know, we know ourselves the best. But there are times where we know ourselves so well that we don't really like ourselves. But God knows everything about you. And the Bible says he loves you. And so in, in this first portion of 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, it tells us God is looking, which tells us God is looking and he is working. So the eyes of the Lord, anytime we talk about in the scriptures, especially the Old Testament, the eyes of the Lord looking around, his looking insinuates action. In fact, that, that the word eyes or look in, in, the, in the Hebrew, in, in, in other places in the Old Testament, talks about a spring of water or a fountain of, of water. And we read, since the very beginning of time, God has had a heart to reach mankind for relationship. So the first thing that this verse tells us is that God is interested in working. God is interested in looking and he's interested in working. Another thing that this verse tells us is that God has chosen to work through men and through women. For some reason, God has decided in the midst of all the crazy calamities going on in our world right now, God still chooses to love man and God still chooses to love women. And he, so he chooses to work through men and women. So in this verse, it tells us to, he's looking around to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him in order to prove himself faithful. One version, the NIV says to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Another version says to, to look for those who've been faithful so that he can prove himself faithful to them. So when God works, so this is where we're at so far. God is looking. He's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman. He's looking for humanity. He's looking for people that are, have a heart and that have a hunger for the things of God. Because when God works, it is always through supernatural means. God never does anything that would fit within the classification of natural. Everything that God does is supernatural. So think about it this way now. God is looking. God, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. 
So that word strengthen, it's not just a, I don't want you to think about, oh, just to give us strength. It's essentially to express all of heaven's ideas, all of heaven's concepts, all of heaven's principles, all of heaven's supernatural ideas through you. So God is actually looking for a vessel. God is actually looking for a stage. God is actually looking for a flower pot so that he can grow something that is supernatural. So miracles are divine concepts that require physical bodies. If a miracle does not have a physical body, it's not fully expressed here on this earth. Like I said before, God doesn't come down to the earth. He did that already one time through the person of Jesus Christ. Now it's our turn. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Miracles are divine concepts that require a physical body. I've always said it. Miracles need bodies. So when God looks, God looks, and then he chooses a man, he chooses a woman. So when men and women respond to God's love, when they respond to God's compassion, when they respond to God's kindness, when they respond to his characteristics, his grace, his mercy, his, his virtues, when good things happen, God is able to express on earth what is happening in heaven. Let your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. How is that happening? By me saying yes, Lord. God doesn't bypass physical bodies. He doesn't use angels. He uses men and women of God. God's got a storehouse. I want you to listen to this. God has a storehouse of the supernatural that needs to be released on earth. And when God has a work that needs to be released on earth, he chooses a vessel. He's looking for a person. He's looking for men. He's looking for women. He's looking for boys. He's looking for girls that he can use to release his purposes on this earth. So when we read, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God doesn't sprinkle his will on the earth and bypasses humanity. He uses men and women of God that are hungry for the things of God. He's looking for a stage. The stage is cluttered. Your life, I'm going to say this to you, your life is too cluttered. You have cluttered God out of your life. And you are a hoarder. You ever see the show, The Hoarding Show? Uh, um, I can't take it. You love that. I, I can't stay. I, I would never be, like, I could never do that. Because, I would, yeah, I would, I, I would throw the whole house out. I would say, we're going to send you to Russia for a year, and when you come back, your house won't be here. But you know what? You have cluttered God out of your life. Your stage is too crowded. And, and you know what? You think it's good stuff, but if it's not God, it's not good. If it distracts you, it's not good. So somehow, what God is saying here, he shows himself faithful. How do we know God is faithful? Because my, the stage of my life has experienced it. How do I know God is good? Because the stage of my life has experienced it. How do I know God is love? Because I have said yes to God. God spinned the globe or spun the globe. Spinned it. He spun the globe. He looked at it and he looked down and he saw you. Called out your name. You said yes. Just like many of the men and women of the Bible said yes to his will. He, re he rebukes Ace, King Asa, he said in his chapter, 
You, you, you released your purpose and you got war. This is what he said, King Asa. Then he switched it and he says, you followed my way and you got peace. Okay, let's take those two concepts. You followed God's way, you got peace. And then you followed your way and you got war. And in this context, in chapter 16, it was literal war. But in our context, is a spiritual, internal battle. This is two unique thoughts. You follow God's way, you get peace. You follow your way, you get battles, you get war. Because you were designed to function best when you follow God's way. I, I don't know why we get away from that. How can we be so stubborn? I don't know. That's a good Maybe that's another question for another day. It just, so he says that God is looking for men and women. And the beautiful thing about the supernatural is that the supernatural is designed to undo brokenness. That's what the supernatural is designed to do. It's designed to bless you, to reveal Christ, to make you more like Jesus. But it's really designed to undo something that we've done. Romans 8, 28. He comes to work all things out for our Good. We're stuck in the natural, but he comes with the supernatural and brings healing. And King Asa, when we read this chapter, the Bible says he was in relationship with God. He was blessed. He was prospered. He, he, was, he, was, he was favored. And, and he, but what happened after a while, he began to forget the ways of God. And when you forget the ways of God, you get the results that come along with forgetting the ways of God. And Asa's results was that he began to lose battles. This is, I love this verse. He, the Bible says, I'm looking. Now, especially in times like this, God is looking. Especially in this season. In times like these, God is looking for men and for women that will prove himself, that will prove themselves faithful and allow God to prove himself faithful. And God proves his faithfulness through me. Every one of his virtues, everything he is, I get to have in my life day to day. And what God is saying in this verse is that I need to prove that I am real, but I need a body to surrender to my ways and to my will. A platform, a stage. He can show that he is real, that he's alive, that he's powerful, but your life is a portal. Your life is a a vessel. So it tells us now that God is interested in working. He's looking. It tells us that God is choosing to use you and I. And then it tells us, lastly, it tells us the kind of person that God is looking. One version, and when I read this, it kind of makes me uncomfortable. It tells us the kind of man or woman that God is looking for. It's, one version says a heart that is perfect towards him. What we read tonight is a heart that's fully committed towards him. And I'm kind of like feeling uncomfortable. Man, man I, have to, I, I have trouble with being perfect. I know. I know. I don't know if you have the same problem, but I have trouble. A heart who's perfect towards him. That seems like something that I'm not cut out for. But when you do the study, when you look at, at this word in the Hebrew, the word in the Hebrew means a person whose heart is slanted towards him. Like a satellite, like a dish. Southeast, north, adjusted right to the, the plan and the purpose of God. 
And in the Hebrew literally means when it says a heart that's perfect towards him is a heart at peace with him. Covenant, leaning towards the things of God. A heart that's complete rather than broken. A heart that's whole rather than fractured. Living in, and what he's talking about, it's living in the ways of God. Leaning towards the ways of God creates a sense of wholeness in your life. There's nothing more beautiful than being in right standing with God. It doesn't mean you're perfect. doesn't even mean that you're good all the time. And I said this last week, being perfect doesn't mean you're sinless. It means you sin less. Your heart is leaning towards the things of God, working, allowing God to work in our lives, leaning towards his purposes, leaning towards his ideas and his principles. You know, we talk about political leanings. Some of you are Democrats. Some of you are Republicans. Some of you are independent. Some of you are in the undeclared. But whatever your political persuasions, <laughs> whatever your, I'm getting side chatter over here. Whatever your political persuasions are, that's where you lean. Your thought process goes towards your political persuasions. I'm talking about going away. It's not about right or left. It's about up and down. It's not about political. It's about God persuasions. Every thought, every process is agreeing with God's purposes, agreeing with his principles, his ideas, his, his ways. So we know that when God looks throughout all the earth, he looks deep, so deep, he looks beyond your actions into your heart. Now, in one way, that could be scary, but I want you to consider the, the, the comfort of that phrase now, that God looks beyond your actions into your heart, right? Because sometimes we do something and we're like, man, that's not what I meant to do. That's not what I meant to say. Uh, you know my heart, <laughs> right? God knows my heart. And, and God does know your heart because sometimes we do silly things. Sometimes we do foolish things. But God looks beyond that into your heart because God's grace can handle your mess ups. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse 20 says this. God's promises are yes and Christ and combined with our amen for the glory of God. OK, let's look at it this way. God's promises are yes in Christ. And what's amen? Amen is let it be. Amen is yes. So the yes in Christ and our yes coming together. See, when Christ says yes and when we say yes for the glory of God, powerful things happen. God prefers that you say yes. <laughs> Sometimes we say no. But I love it because you could say a thousand no's and say one yes. One yes can cancel out a thousand no's. And when God gets something in his head, the cross has this desire to release covenant your way. In a couple of minutes here, now I'm going I'm to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, text them through uh, to me to 401-585-6343. This is the question now as we wrap this up. How do we live in such a way to be the drop zone of the blessings of God? When the military drops supplies thousands of feet up in the air they see a drop zone these big x's and they plan to drop the supplies on those x's from thousands of 
thousands of feet up in the air. How do, how does my life, how can I create such, how, how can I live my life in such a way where my life becomes the drop zone of God's blessing? I talked to a musician a couple of years back that was looking to come and do a concert here um, at, our, at our church. And, and he says, listen, you know, he seemed kind of unsure himself, but he was like, listen, I'm just looking for a stage to get my name out there. I just, I'm just looking for a platform to get my, my music out there, to become known. That's what God is looking. God becomes known when people who know him make him known. So what God is looking for is he's looking for a stage. He's not going to send, he doesn't send angels down. He already sent Jesus down. He's not going to send anything. He, he has me, he has you. And God makes himself known when people who know him make him known. So go ahead, live out his love. Be heaven's vessel. God is constantly looking for expression here on earth. He doesn't, he's, it's our turn. How do we become the drop zone? This is what he said to King Asa, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 8. He says, when you relied on me, I helped you. <laughs> Man, that's about as simple. See, I like simple. I like that. When you trusted in me, you gave me the ability to help you. God can help me even when I don't trust him. But what trust does is it gives him the platform. See, some of you saying you love God, but you don't have a stage. Some of you say, oh, I love God, I'm, I'm religious, but you don't even trust him. God, God has no space in your life because you're hoarding. You've got all kinds of stuff. You're cluttered. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. I'm going to read in this version. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. Thank you, Jesus. So liberating. Trust in the Lord. Wow. How, how can you become the drop zone? Second Chronicles 68. He says to King Asa, when you rely on me, I help you. When you trust in me, you gave me permission to come in and supernaturally invade your situation. And your context became covenant for me to do my thing. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Make God known. God becomes known when people who know him make him known. So tonight, this is what I'm asking you to do this evening. Tonight, I'm asking you to really think about um, uh, your stage, your life. The last 10, three weeks, three months has been a good season for you to evaluate, to clean house, to declutter your stage, to just completely just gut everything out. It's a mess up here. You should see it. This is your season right now to say, God, my life is a stage for heaven to become known on earth. That miracles are divine concepts that require physical bodies. Miracles need bodies. And Lord, I'm that body. I give my life to you. 
I don't, I don't lean on my own understanding. I don't, tr I don't trust in my own ways. I don't depend on my own ways. I'm going to seek your will in all I do. And Lord, I know that you will show me the path, the right path, the way. Because God's promises are yes and amen. So tonight we just pray for, it's a couple of prayer requests here. Pray for Maritza who's still um, looking, uh, needing an apartment. Maritza, I think we prayed for you a week ago, right? Still looking for an apartment. God, I just pray that you would open up the right door. And Lord, give her, this is a, a general prayer request, just praying for an apartment. But God, you know what that looks like specifically as you read the desires of her heart, Father. And Lord, I pray that you give her exactly what she needs, exactly within her budget, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray for uh, also for Valeria. I saw this today, Valeria. I prayed for your for your son down south who's who needs to get his blood sugar under control. Lord, I just pray that you would give him a new pancreas. In Jesus' name, a new pancreas, Father. In Jesus' name, you can do that. By his stripes, he is healed, Father God. Pray for those who need healing in their bodies, Lord. Whatever it is, whatever part of your body that needs. Um, um, healing. Just lay your hands on that part of the body. Whatever it is, God wants to heal you. A, a, a torn rotator cuff, that God wants to heal you. Pro uh, problems with your knees, God wants, God is healing you in the name of Jesus. God heals. The only way we know God, he God doesn't heal in heaven, God heals here on earth. He needs a physical body to express the idea of healing. Just like salvation. He brings salvation to mankind. Salvation is not for heaven. Salvation is for earth. Healing is not for heaven. Healing is for earth. So in Jesus' name, we pray for uh, Kelly's friend who has anxiety, who has a lot of anxiety, and her husband's um, just recently had a seizure. Um, Lord, I just pray, we pray for anyone Everyone right now within the sound of my voice, if you have anxiety, your last anxiety attack was your last anxiety attack in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I do declare that. Peace. Shalom. I pray the only thing that overwhelms you is the goodness of God. I pray the only thing that keeps you up at night is the goodness of God. Pray for this gentleman who had recently had a seizure. God, I pray that you, I declare the reworking of his brain chemistry, Lord, that he will never have a seizure again, completely healed in Jesus' name. Pray for peace. Pray for comfort, Father. Pray for com I pray. I pray for this family. If, if you're looking, if you're watching right now and you're dealing with anxiety, comfort and peace, I pray that as soon as the thoughts start racing in your mind, that you would capture those thoughts and begin reading the Word of God right now in Jesus name Jesus name we're going to end with this song go ahead Maya we're going to end with this song Come on. thank you for listening Tony Paolo is the lead pastor of Restoration Church if you would like more information go to restorationchurchri.com